Welcome to the Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson, and joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Richie Brock. On today's episode of the Sword and Staff, Richie and I are going to be getting into the first proper episode of our series that we're doing on manhood, masculinity, and the archetypes. The last time that we were with you guys, which was two weeks ago now, uh, we took a week off because COVID (laughs) COVID hit the family again. The Black Plague showed up. Yeah, the the 2022 flu. 2022 flu. It hit hit our house, and so uh, we took last week off. uh, But we're back again this week with our series on masculinity and uh last time that we were together we we kind of gave an overview of what we were going to be covering in this and we kind of gave like a a why right like why is sword and staff which is primarily talked about you know the supernatural and you know paranormal stuff and kind of investigating some of that from a christian's perspective like why why are we talking about masculinity and and manhood now right yeah. like and we talked about that in the last episode and basically it's it's our goal to to remythologize all of life from from a Christian perspective, not just the supernatural, right? We we want to bring it all under the lordship of Christ, and uh, you and I both um, have thought that this area of masculinity and, and manhood is an area that that needs to be talked about more. And like we said in the last episode, there are some people out there um, who are talking about it, and we've you know uh, we mentioned some of those people and. Um, we're glad for that, and we just want to kind of add a voice to the conversation as well. Talk about what this looks like, uh, what it looks like to be a whole man. And uh, like I said in the last episode, ladies may be tempted to tune out for this series. Yeah, we just want to encourage you, we just yeah. want to encourage you to not because there will be some application for women as well. Um, even though we're we're obviously not ladies, um, we will some of what we say will be applicable to ladies and yeah, there's a feminine counterpart to all yeah, of it yeah there's a feminine counterpart and not only that but if, if you're raising sons uh as a mother these are things that you should know um right. that, that there are phases in a boy's life that he goes through and he's growing into some of these ideals or archetypes that we're, we're um we're going to be talking about through this series and uh you need to know about that right like what that phase in that boy's life is what it looks like and what to watch out for, right, and uh, what to encourage, you know, that kind of thing. So um, so I think that, yeah, this is still yet important, even if you're listening and you're a female listener. So, well, Richie, uh, what, what archetype are we getting into today? Today we're going to be looking at the archetype of the warrior. The warrior archetype. And so let's just start off by defining what exactly is the warrior archetype. Whenever you hear that, that term in your mind or the, the or the warrior archetype or the warrior mm-hmm. ideal what is it that, that pops up in your mind immediately my head goes to examples i've seen in film and books yeah like beyond a, a definition because i think anybody could take the warrior and sort of yeah. had their own definitions but yeah. from film and things like that you go into things like lord of the rings I don't know. What about what do you think? Yeah, uh, it's definitely it's definitely there um, for sure. I'll say we'll save some of that to, so we can get yeah, into that a little bit later. Save on that. Um, you know, uh, I'd say that it is. It's, it's what it sounds like. It's 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 more than just this uh, thing to define. It's an ideal, is right. what I would say. Yeah. Like we all, when, like whenever we all hear the word warrior, there's instantly an image that pops up in our heads, right? And, you know, you can get into why that is, you know, that Carl Jung talked about that in his his work on the archetypes yep. and the, you know, collective unconscious and all that stuff. We're not really addressing that from this perspective. We're we're not uh, we're not into psychology and things like that. We're, we're addressing this from more of a, a Christian perspective. Nothing wrong with that perspective, but this is what we know. Um, so but, yeah, I would say that it's this ideal that we all just automatically kind of intuitively know and basically what that is is it's it's a warrior like a uh, a man who is a protector um, who is willing to go to battle against the forces of darkness he's he's a he's a he's loyal uh, he's fighting for a higher cause um, and um, he's competent right like whenever uh, you think about that um well, we can go ahead and get into some of the movie stuff, uh, and then we can kind of get into, you know, uh, some more of this stuff. But you know, so, some of the the first people that kind of come to my mind is 
um, you know, Aragorn yeah. from, you know, later on he's going to come, he's going to step into the king archetype, which we'll talk about later like on. Pre Lord of the Rings, my, my yeah. vision of the warrior would be like, well, actually, something similar to Aragorn in, in Lord of the Rings, like the guy with the sword and the shield. And like, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. The man who's willing to go to battle for what's right. right. And he's competent at what he, what he does. And then after Lord of the Rings came on the scene, the movies. The, the picture of Aragorn in that in those movies sort of filled in that blank in my head and then that's my default image now yeah yeah all right well well so let's let's maybe that's probably a good opportunity so we kind of talked about this ideal a little bit here just to kind of give us an but let's dive a little deeper into that what, like what does this ideal whenever we dig down into it what are the characteristics that it entails I know that you've got a list of characteristics I've got a list of characteristics we'll just bounce those back yeah, and forth interesting the, the different ones that we came up with yeah thinking about it right yeah yeah last night I jotted down uh, determination yeah strength courage loyalty and steadfastness yeah those are some of them that I've got I've got loyalty um, he dis- has to be disciplined oh yeah um, you know, I, you can even say emotionally detached in some way. Um, we can get into that a little bit later. Um, but he has to also, um, I would say, be uh, decisive and, and ready to go to war, right? Ready to be a, a kind of a, a creative destroyer in some ways. Right. Now, now, immediately people may hear that and they're like, whoa, like, you're like destro- like war destroying like aren't well, I mean, you guys any kind of hesitation and you're risking losing what you're fighting for well that and people may be like whoa wait a second christians talking about war and destruction like but we have to remember that in the bible there are warriors mighty warriors in there's the bible a time and season for everything there's a time and a season for everything and for a man there is a time and a season now, uh, being a warrior isn't a lifetime thing. It's it's something uh, you should eventually grow into a man who's balanced. But yeah. it's it's a part of being a balanced man. You have to be able to have that in it. So let's let's dive a little bit into some of these things. So whenever we say that he, uh, you know, he has to be um, strong, what do we what do we mean by that? Like he has to be emotionally strong, right? Right. Um, which kind of touches on what I was saying about being detached, right? That. Knowing that you have a job to do, right, um, and it's gonna it's gonna require you to to make hard decisions. Right. It's not that he's emotionless. It's that's that right. He can set those sort of aside to do what he needs to do. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, you know, and you you see that. I mean, uh, one of the greatest examples that we have is is our military, who have to do difficult things and they have to set the emotional part of it aside. And, you know, revisit it later. Um, but, you know, but yeah. Um, but you have to, there has to be, you have to be strong mentally, but also, and this touches on what I was saying about being self-disciplined, strong physically as well. Right. Um, now, one of the things that being self-disciplined can entail is being strong physically, like working out, you know, exercising, those types yeah. of things that warriors do. But um, it's more than that. It's being self-disciplined in, um, knowing what's good for you and what's bad for you and avoiding the things that are bad for you. Um, you know, one of the things that I've been talking about a lot this year um, on my personal social social media uh, is self-denial, right? This principle that we read about in the Bible, right? Where you need to kill your sin. You need to deny yourself. You need to pick up your cross and follow Christ, right? That kind of thing. Um, that's key to being a warrior, um, to, to modeling this ideal, Right, um, a warrior has to be self-disciplined. They can't um, give in to things that are going to harm them or harm their cause. Right. Um, so some of those things is, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the the examples of this you see in scripture, even though he kind of becomes more of a king, is Joseph. You know, whenever Potiphar's wife is wanting him to to sleep with her. And uh, he's like, he, he could have gave in, right, to that temptation. But what does he do? He, he denies himself because why? He's a man of integrity. And what's he do? He, he flees. And he's rewarded for that later on. He's exalted because of that. So that's an example of, of what self-denial looks like. Uh, one of the very many examples of what self-denial and self-discipline looks like. Right. But um, that's an important factor. Uh, to be to being a warrior you have to be self-disciplined yeah discipline and uh physical strength mental strength and spiritually as well 
That's good. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you uh, you think about with a warrior is they're fighting for a higher noble cause, right? Right. And um, one of the things that self-discipline entails, it, it means that we have to say no to certain things so that we can be in touch with that higher cause. And, um, and I think that that's something that we need to think about in our modern times because it's so easy to uh, just kind of push our spiritual life off to Sundays only and not have a prayer life in between Sunday to Sunday, right? right? Or uh, be digging in and reading the scriptures or focusing on our discipleship or those kind of things, or discipling our families even. Um, And that's a part of being a warrior. Right, Uh, I mean, you have your own, literally your own version of warfare with spiritual warfare on the spiritual side of things. That's right, yeah. And uh, so the next one we was talking about that we both had was loyalty. Yep. Right? So what what exactly does that in, that entail? Loyalty is in uh, just a determined faithfulness to uh, your your family, your your circle, your group, your your faith, your religion to the things that define you and that you stand for. Yeah, um, that and uh, there's a there's a quote here that I want to read from. Uh, G.K. Chesterton, he says, the true soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but because he loves what is behind him. Right. Right. Yep. And so there's a loyalty there to what's behind you. Right. That's at the, at the core of this. What a, a what the warrior ideal is, is it's somebody who's willing to, to step in and fight on behalf of others. Right. And uh, we see this all throughout the scriptures. Um, so we've, we'll, we'll move on from the scriptures and talk about how we see it in, uh, you know, m- movies and stories and those kind of things. But um, let's not forget that Jesus was the greatest warrior of all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, Jesus is the greatest warrior of all time. And that may sound foreign to, to listeners. They're like, whoa, but it's not. But it's not. literally perfection in all of these archetypes. Well, that and the reason why we would think that he's not is because we have been fed this effeminate right. yeah. version of Jesus who's only meek and mild, right, who's only a lover, but not a warrior. Right. But and that's the reason why there's certain passages that Jesus does things that he does that yeah, troubles Jesus us. Going in there and overturning tables of the money changers and that's exactly right. warrior Jesus. Well, that's exactly right. You you have Jesus who goes in to his father's house, so this higher cause, right? That's right. outside of him. Um, at least speaking in terms of of the the flesh, his humanity. In, in, right. In yeah. terms of his deity, he is he is equal co you know co equal with the father, but. Um, but he he goes into the temple, um, and he turns over the 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 tables for the money changers. And not only does he do that, but he fashions a whip yep. and chases them out with a with a whip. Right, like that's warrior Jesus. That's warrior Jesus. <laughs> right, Jesus Jesus has this streak about him where he's willing to fight for this uh, higher transcendent cause. And there's a reason why that that passage is troubling to so many, you know, evangelicals today. It's because we just don't have a category for warrior Jesus. And l- let me say this: I mean, just even Go the ahead. description of uh, the Savior King coming to ransom the people from their sins, and uh, and even you talk about Jesus with the harrowing of hell and going into ransoming those in the in the underworld and things like that. Well, so that was what I was about to bring up next. We have to keep in mind the scope of of what it is that Jesus's work accomplishes, right? right? Like the apostle Paul in uh, Colossians two fourteen through 15 says, um, you know, not only does Jesus die for our sins, he, he dies for our sins, but it's a, it's a bigger cosmic work than just that. You know, he says, he says this, he says, um, starting in 13, verse 13 of Colossians chapter two, he says, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So it's talking about the forgiveness of our sins part there, right? Like it's talking about nailing our sins to the cross, dealing with the record of debt that stood against us. But he goes on here. He says, that's not all that Jesus did. He says, how does he do this? He says, by canceling the record of debt that stood with us against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. So there's this imagery of Jesus 
going to the cross, dying for our sins, but also at the same time, there's this warrior language being used there, right? He's doing battle against the rulers and the principalities that were once over the nations, right? And not only does he go to war with them, but it says he disarmed them. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Achilles disarming uh, an opponent with his sword, right? Um, But it says after that he triumphs over them. In him now, that's that's language in the ancient Near East. I, I can't remember exactly what commentary I read this in, but uh, we were teaching through Colossians here uh, at our church for midweek services. We wrapped it up last night. You were there, um, but whenever we were in Colossians chapter two, I had read a commentary that talks about that this is chariot language, so the triumphing over them. Yep. Okay, so in the ancient Near East, what kings used to do whenever they were victorious over another king, was they would chain them or tie them to the back of their chariot with the big wheels, right? And they would drag them through through town to make an open spectacle of Literally them. Literally Achilles and Prince Hector. That's exactly what I was about yep. to say. Literally, so that's exactly what Achilles does to Hector. After he defeats him, he ties him to the back of his chariot and he drags him around in it, right? Triumphing over him, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, making a, a public spectacle out of him, right? And that's what it's saying that Jesus did here. Like, and that's the language that we get of God in, in Ezekiel, right? He's up there and he's on this this chariot that's got, you know, the cherubim and the seraphim and that kind of thing attached to it. Um, and he's, his wheels within wheels, that kind right. of thing, right? Those are the wheels of Yahweh's chariot. And so that's what it's talking about here. Jesus is a warrior. And in his death, not only does he die for our sins as this, as this great lover, right, who is uh, a, the, the husband dying for his bride, but he's also the warrior, who's taking down the rulers and the principalities that were once right. over the nations. And then and because of that, he says in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he says, Now I have all authority in heaven and on earth. Go into the nations, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So, like, I mean, you even see God doing that with the, the plagues on Egypt. I mean, putting the principalities and yeah. things of Egypt to open shame with the... With the plagues. That's exactly right. And, and you know, it's no mistake that, that Jesus' name uh, is, uh, in Hebrew, it's it's uh, Yeshua. And it's the same name as Joshua in Hebrew. They share that they have the same name. And Joshua is Israel's great uh, military commander, right? right like, yep. who leads them on what? The great conquest. So Jesus is like this new and greater Joshua who is leading his people now, think about it. Joshua goes in and, and they eliminate a lot of the, the giant clans that are in. I can't believe that we've tied giants into this somehow, but boy, we did That's it. What we do. <laughs> That's what we do. We find a way to tie into Divide Council Worldview stuff into this. Um, but uh, J- Joshua leads Israel in in the conquest and they eliminate a lot of the giant clans. You know, Jesus, the very first thing that he does whenever he's on the scene is he comes out and he he casts out the spirits of the giants in the demons. Um, whenever he begins his public ministry, you know, after his baptism, he goes straight out, you know, onto the to the Mount of Temptation. He comes back off the Mount of Temptation. He casts a demon out as soon as he comes down. So Jesus is this greater Joshua, this commander of the Lord, who is leading uh, his people into conquest. Right. He's this warrior. I mean, so. people have this vision of Jesus as the Lamb. But they don't realize that Jesus Jesus is also the lion. That's right. He's, yeah, he has the, that side to him as well. He's the lion of the tribe. The lion of the tribe of Judah. I mean, look how he's described even in Revelations. He's coming back riding on a horse, and what like is it? Garments this, and vestments dipped in d- blood. Dipped, and, dipped in blood, and he has got the sword, the sword. of his mouth yeah. coming out and, and striking the nations. In Psalm two, this messianic psalm, it says that he will dash the nations into pieces with like potter's vessel with his rod of iron. Jesus is this warrior king, and Absolutely. if you focus only on the the lover, which we will talk about next week, or or on the next episode that we do, I don't know yeah. if it'll be, it won't be next week, but it'll be the week after next. Um, Jesus does have the lover side to him, the the husband, the bridegroom, that thing, but he also has the warrior as well. And unless we get that, we're going to be left with this version of jesus that is not whole that's very unbalanced a very unbalanced view of jesus a very effeminate soft version of jesus these are things that men need to have 
Yeah. Right? You need to have those soft yeah. virtues, um, but you also need to have the hard virtues. Yeah, but that not in excess. It That's needs right. To be in balance. That's right. In balance. And so, um, and because of that, if we don't have that Jesus, men have no perfect ideal to look to anymore. Right. Right. And so we not only do we have an unbalanced Jesus, but we direct men to look at a Jesus who is unbalanced, which leads to them being unbalanced as well. Right. Which is an epidemic in evangelicalism right now. Oh, absolutely. Where, where we talk about the nice guy syndrome, where where men think that what it means to be a Christian is to be nice, not to be good. Right. There's a difference. Right. A warrior isn't nice. But he's good, right? In the same way that Aslan. Oh, that's exactly what <laughs> popped into my head. You beat me to right, it, right? Right. In the same yeah. way that Aslan is he safe? You know, in, in, you see us in Narnia, yeah. right? With C.S. Lewis, when they're talking about uh, Aslan. Is he good? He's very good. But yeah, he's like, not a tame lion. Yeah, yeah. Is he? Is he tame? Is he yeah. nice? No, of course he isn't. Of course he's not safe. But he's good, right? Yeah. You know, that's the same thing with the warrior. Is he safe? No. Is he capable of of flipping over your tables? In crafting a whip as a competent man to drive you out. Yeah, he's capable of that. He's dangerous, but he's also good. Yeah. That's what a warrior is. And so uh, that's where we some of the places that we see this in Scripture, right? And uh, I'm loving where this conversation's going already in words hard. But let, let's go, let's expand outside of Scripture now, and let's talk about this archetype um, just in movies and in stories that we're all familiar with. We just looked at Jesus, and we looked at Joshua, and we looked at, you know, there's other people as well. David, right? David, he's the warrior who goes up against Goliath, right? Yep. So, um, but let's st- take it out from there, and let's talk about it in, in films and, and stuff that people would be familiar with. I mean, it wouldn't be us if we didn't at least start with Lord of the Rings. But, <laughs> I mean, you have... Uh, we're going to do a whole other episode talking about Lord of the Rings today, so... Yeah, like... Uh, Characters like Legolas and uh, Strider before he takes on sort of the mantle as Aragorn, King of Gondor, King of Middle-earth. And even beyond Lord of the Rings, you have, uh, even in movies like Braveheart, like William Wallace. Yeah. Um, I was actually watching Lord of the Rings before I got here today. And um, whenever I was uh, watching it... um, I was watching Fellowship of the Rings, and we was at the part where they're having the council meeting, and, you know, you've got the dwarves, you've got the elves, you've got the men, right? You've got Gandalf. Uh, you, you've got all those people there, and they're deciding what they're going to do with the ring, right? Who's going to take the ring and destroy it? And they're sitting there, and they're fighting amongst themselves, right? And then as they're fighting with each other, uh, Frodo steps up. He's like, I'll take the ring, right? He, he realizes that he's going to have to to fight for this higher cause. Um, he does, he wants to go back home, right? Just before this, he's talking with Sam. He's like, yeah, it's time to go home, right? We've got the ring this far, um, you know, but it's time for us to go yeah, home you now. You see sort of a selfishness creep into the those around him, like you hear uh, Boromir talking about the ring being a gift to the foes of Mordor. Right already after, right off the bat wanting to use it for right their own and, purpose. And then the extended versions, right after Gandalf talks about the ring itself is evil and he speaks he stands up and he speaks black speech. Right? And uh, Elrond's like, you know, black speech has never been uttered here. Yep. And he's like, this ring is evil. And then immediately after Gandalf says that, he sa- uh, Boromir steps up, he's like, No, it's a gift yeah. to the to, gift to, to the foes the, of Mordor. That's right, yep. to the foes of Mordor. He's like, give it to Gondor and let us do with it what needs to be done. And uh, that's the shadow creeping in, which yep. we'll we'll talk about yep. a little bit more here in a minute. But here's the part that I love, though, in, in that scene. So uh, Frodo steps up, right? He's the littlest person here, steps up. And whenever he steps up, uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, whenever he steps up, he, he's, he, he decides that, Rather than going back home, he's going to fight for a cause that's bigger than him, right? And then I love what happens after this. What's the very next thing that happens? Aragorn, the strider, steps up to him, and he walks up to him, and he kneels down on one knee, and he says, you have my sword. And then, you know, after that, uh, you've, you've got... Uh, Gimli, who says, you know, my axe, and then, you know, you've got Legolas, who says, you've got my you know, my, my bow, I think right. is what he says. Um, all of these men step up 
as warriors fighting for this cause, this transcendent cause that is outside of themselves, right? And there's loyalty to one another here in that in that fellowship. Yep. And, and all of them are competent men, right? Le- I mean, Legolas is like the most uh, competent man with a bow ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know? Um, talk out of shame. Right. And, you know, uh, like, let's be real. And Aragorn, his descendants are the Numenorians. Like, right, yeah. And, like, his, elves his, and Numenorians. Right, yeah. elves and Num- Numenorians. And... Like his ancestor, Isildur, uh, does battle with Sauron. You know, like we're talking about men from other men who are extremely competent. And that's the warrior. That's the warrior in, in Lord of the Rings. Um, let's talk about some other movies, too. Now, we talked, we've talked about this one a little bit already. We talked about Troy. Yeah. Right? And, I just watched that yesterday. And, and yep. th- this one might trip people out a little bit. Um, that. Achilles obviously is the warrior, but there's a better depiction of the warrior in that film than Achilles. And who's that? Are we talking about Hector? Yeah. Yeah. Hector, right? Hector is this virtuous warrior, right? And and actually, it's Achilles is actually uh, drawn to the shadows a little bit. And this might be a good time for us to kind of get into some conversation on the, the shadow. Because um, each of these archetypes have a dark side to them, obviously. Um, but um, we see that Achilles, um, what is it that he likes to fight for? He likes to fight for his own namesake and his own glory, right? Yep. Um, he fights for, you know, you even see uh, Menelaus and, you know, uh, them talking about him later on. They're like, he fights for nobody but himself, right? Uh, and that's that's the shadow, which I don't want to fully get into that right now. I want to say that because there's some more uh, depictions of this we could talk about. I think moving past this, but um, but yeah, just know that that there's uh, there's somebody in that film who actually depicts this ideal in a greater way. Yeah, and even uh, one that we didn't mention, you see a sort of unbalanced version of the, a shadow version of the warrior besides Achilles is uh, Hector's brother Paris, Paris, who's willing to literally start the nations on fire, taking. Yeah. Uh, Helen of back home to yeah, Troy. Helen of Troy, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and she's the woman who who launched the thousand ships. Yep. Um he's also a shadow version of the lover as right. well. Yep. Um which we'll talk about, you know, next week. Or not next week, I keep saying that. Uh, next next time on this series. But um okay, so there's that and so what are some what are some others that we see this archetype in? Uh another movie I watched that I, that got to me thinking about this recently was uh Braveheart. Yeah, and the character of William Wallace. Yeah, yeah. Will William Wallace is a Chad. <laughs> he's, he's a Chad. <laughs> he's a Chad. He's a Chad warrior. Um, he's savage. And another one too that is is a gladiator. You know, you have Maximus, who is this uh, virtuous man who is fighting for this cause outside of yeah. himself, right? And it's the same thing with William Wallace. He's fighting for this the cause of freedom, you know, and. Uh, you know that seems to be the thing in, in yeah, all of these. You see the scene with uh, it depicts William as a child with his uncle after William's dad passes away in battle. William wanting to take up the sword and go with it. His uncle f- tells him first, you need to learn how to use your he- your mind, your mm-hmm. head before you use that sword. Yeah. So that there's an element of teaching balance. Yeah, there there has to be a, that. That's a part of this as well. Um, a warrior has to be mindful, right? There has to be some uh, a balance there. That, that strong, uh, that strength mentally. Yeah. Right. That's that's key to this. Yeah, I think his uncle even points that he said and tells him to first learn to use this, and then yeah. it'll teach you to use the sword. That's right. Yep. Yep. And then uh, after you know another depiction of this is uh, three hundred. Oh boy. You know the the three hundred Spartans. They are all warriors. And why is it that they go to war? It's not necessarily because the Persians are coming. I mean, it is because the Persians are coming, but why is it that they decide to go to war? Because they love what's behind them. Right. Right. Their wives, their families. And they know that if they go and they make their stand, that the rest of the Greeks will follow suit. And you know, later on, the Greeks are going to, they're going to conquer Persia. Yeah. It wasn't because they were going for, because they expected victory. I mean, no, they knew it was a suicide yeah, mission. Yeah, I mean, Persia was coming with yeah. like millions and masses, M- millions, right? yeah. millions. Uh, you know, they're led by uh, you know Xerxes. Um, they knew what they were going up against, and yet they did it anyway. Yep. And whenever you look at the three hundred Spartans, right, you have men who are competent in warfare, right, who are fighting very, disciplined. very, very disciplined. They stood on virtue and. 
That's right. That's right. Beliefs. The Greeks, the Greeks were the ones who really talked a lot about virtue, um, right? The the cardinal virtues, um, and so they were men who were focused on virtue. They were shunning vice. Um, you know, you uh, one of the great scenes of that movie is whenever Persia fires off the the huge wave of arrows. And I can still see it. Yeah, you hand. can just see, look up, and, up you see, and over. Yeah, yep. it's a sea of arrows coming down at him. And in in that situation, most men would be terrified. Right. Right. But they they talk about you know they pull their shields and they they post up and uh, they talk about uh, fighting in the shade. You know, <laughs> the, our arrows will block out the sun. You know, yep. and we'll fight in the shade. So it's, that's that's virtue. That's what it looks like to be a warrior. That's what it looks like to be mentally tough, to not be anti, or to be anti-fragile, to not be fragile. Um, those are all virtues uh, of the ideal of of the warrior. I mean, you even see that back in Lord of the Rings. I mean, Theoden knows that more than likely they're, when they're going up against Sauron, that they're not going to victory. Yeah. They're going to stand for what they believe in for well, their last. The right of the Rohirrim. Right. Right. You've got what he says. Uh, this is a red day. Yep. Right. He, he, you know, and the, the the final thing that he says is death, <laughs> yep. death and the the whole row here. They're all chanting death as they go, um, which, you know, which you see. Uh, I mean, with all the warnings he's given, I mean, Elrond tells him you ride to victory, but you ride to war, but not to victory. Tolkien has a quote here from Return of the King. It says, and then the whole host of Rohan burst into song and they sung as they slew. And the joy of battle was on them, and the sound of their singing that was fair and terrible came even to the city. So even Tolkien is recognizing this this warrior archetype here, and that um, this is a part of it, right? Like that that you have to be there has to be this detachment, and then not only that, but there even has to be a, a, a love for what's behind you to propel you to go to war, right? right? There's another quote from Tolkien from the Two Towers. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I do not love the bright sword for its sharpness, nor the arrow for its swiftness, nor the warrior for his glory. I only love that which they defend. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And so this would be a great time to to transition now and talk about the the shadow, the shadow, the shadow. Yeah, yeah. Each one of these archetypes has a shadow self, yeah, a shadow version. That's right. And so um, you can take these things that we're talking about here and become unbalanced. Right. Um, there's always that temptation. Right. Um, you know, one of the, the people that you see in Scripture who take this warrior archetype too far is Samson, right? He he yeah, yeah. He, he loves to inflict pain on people. And in some ways, he you kind of even see he likes it kind of even done to him in some ways. You know, um, and so the, the, the shadow, there are two shadow poles to the warrior archetype. One is the sadist and one is the masochist. So let's talk about the masochist first, and then we'll get into the sadist, which I think is probably the most common shadow trait that we, we see um, with this, and we can get into some more movie stuff and stories. Um, but a masochist is somebody who, it's, it's not that they really like to inflict pain, but they like to have pain inflicted upon the, right. them. And so um, if you're not not careful, so we, we talked about that there has to be a part of you that has to be detached and even enjoy the battle in some sense right like um like the spartans i mean they're there to protect what's behind them but there's a part of them that loves the battle right right um like scripture tells us to count it all joy whenever trials fall upon us right but but whenever it tells us to count it all joy it's not commanding us to become masochists right right? to to like to love pain right into that kind of thing you know and you could you can see like with the the tolkien quote where he talks about that all of rohan burst into song and they sang as they slew for the joy of battle was on them this is a healthy um healthy warrior ideal here we're not talking about them being masochists right um but that's something that we need to be careful of because that's one of the shadow poles is that you yep. can you could eventually have this disordered love yep. and begin to love having pain uh given to you and, and uh you know in some ways usually an unbalanced version of the warrior that takes things internally like it's yeah. an internal war like yeah. things with the battles with anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. self-harm and yeah 
That's probably the most common outlet you see it in. Yeah, that's the self harm one there in particular is a really good one. This might be a t- good time to weave in some uh, some of the uh, mirrored femininity part. Right. Um, so there's also the the archetype of uh, the warrior with the women, and one of the the great depictions of this, I what think, do we want to call it the maiden. Yeah, we, yeah, we the call it, we're, maiden, we call maiden, it the maiden, like the shield yeah. maiden. Yeah, um, I think a great depiction of this in story is Eowyn. Eowyn, right off the bat, She is the shield maiden of Rohan, right? And she rides with with the Rohir in the last ride of the Rohirrim, right? And whenever um, you know the Nazgul is about to uh, devour uh, Theoden, she steps in and just hacks its head off. Yep. And you know she's standing up against the the Witch King of Angmar, and he's like, "You fool! Don't you know that no man can kill me?" Yep. Um, and she's like, "I I am no man." And you know, and that's the end of that. Um, she takes him down, and that's what it looks like. Uh, there's this is a good thing even for for women to be competent in being able to be uh, be able to defend yourself right, right. if if need be um you even there's a line that she says even in the movies it said the women of this country long ago learn uh to take up swords and defend themselves yeah um and there and these these are good things to for a woman to have as well like loyalty Right, uh, loving what's behind you, right? Your children, your family, those things. All of those are applicable to women in the same way as they are to men. But here's one of the ways that I think that the shadow works out a particular way among women is in abusive relationships. Yeah. Right? Like you, you see it as, like you see this a lot with women when they say, they, they kind of frame the whole relationship with the male in terms of, I can fix him. Like, it's this battle, right? I can fix him. And then, you know, whenever the guy's abusive, what do they do? They they stick around. Why? Because because in some weird, disordered way, they love it. <laughs> you know? it's it, Whether it be the attention, whether it be, uh, you know, whatever. That could be a part of the shadow version of this as well. Um you know, it's the same thing with guys with uh, who are in relationships with abusive women, right? They think that they can fix her and that this is a battle worth fighting, right? Um, but in reality, it's it's not. You're just you've you've fallen into shadow, and you love the abuse, and yeah, it's something you've right. got to watch out for. <laughs> it's the self harm. Self harm yeah. is another form of that as well. I mean, you ha- you see uh, men uh, in like. Versions of that being the king, the warrior king. Yeah. But then in women, it's uh, the the queen maiden. But in, in shadow, you you can also there could be a, a man that's like in an abusive part of the relationship. Oh, and the, and the, the queen turns into a tyrant. The that, woman turns into the tyrant. That's exactly right. It's exactly right. Um. Hmm. I think that this is one reason why guys in the past year have been super angry and there's been a lot of domestic violence since COVID happened is because basically um, we're living, what happened was this, is they said, go home. <laughs> like, you, there's nothing that you can do. All you can do is go home. And so it's like they kind of took the battle away from guys. Yep. You know what I mean? And guys were really angry about it. And, uh, you know, you've a man has to have a battle to fight. And so, anyway, just sort of throw that in there. Okay. All right. So, let's talk about the other uh, shadow, uh, the other pole of the shadow. The other one is the sadist. So, the masochist is somebody who likes to have uh, pain inflicted upon them. The sadist is somebody who likes to inflict pain. And this is the one that I think that we see the most, probably depicted in films. You don't see the masochist a lot. Right, yeah. But you, you see the sadist a lot. So, what are... So let's let's talk about some depictions of the sadist. Um, you actually think that Achilles is probably a depiction of the sadist. Go ahead and talk about it. In that. the beginning, yeah. Yeah, in the beginning. Go ahead and talk about that. Uh, you have uh, Achilles, who he just loves inflicting pain on others, like the glory of war, uh, uh, the hero worship of it all. Yeah. I mean, he does take a sort of a 
a redemption arc towards the end of the story, but yeah. definitely finally towards yeah. yeah, finally towards the end, he finally begins to fight for something yeah. other than himself. Oh, but it's definitely in the beginning. He wants to be remembered in eternity. That's his yeah. whole thing. Well, you you start to see it too after he kills Hector. Yeah, like he starts. He's emotional, you know, and he's crying, and he's you know, well, he says that he'll see him again, you know, that kind of thing. He calls. I'm pretty sure he calls Hector a brother. I mean, he, he sees does. an equal in Hector. Yeah, and and so. You know, you start to see it then, um, but so there is the redemption arc there. But at the beginning, he he is. You know, you you, you see him storm the beach right there at uh, at Troy, and he takes out so many. He works his way up to the temple, and then he he takes out the he even takes out the priests who are in the temple, which in the yeah. ancient world was something that you didn't do because yeah, like Achilles didn't have very much respect for any of the other men yeah. that he saw, but he definitely had respect for Hector. Yeah, you could tell. Yeah. And so he takes that, and then he desecrates the statue of you know one of the Greek or one of the it was Apollo. Tr- yeah, of Apollo. Yeah. yeah, and that's literally a picture. just beheads the statue. Literally, on the beach. yeah, just cuts the head. The patron uh, god of Troy. Yeah. Um, so that's a depiction of of the sadist, somebody who just loves to make war for war. Yeah. And uh, you know, I think a great depiction of both of these war things. For profit, especially in personal gain. No doubt. I mean, uh, he's he. Even Agamemnon is like he knows that he can't control Achilles. Yeah, but it's better just to keep him rich, keep him to unleash saturated him. in these uh, pleasures, personal pleasures and money, than to have him unleashed as a force against. And him. they talk about we need to unleash him. It yeah. doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't matter what he wants, right? We just right. need to unleash him so that we can use him and so that we can win this thing. Yeah. Um, I think a great depiction of both of these together, these uh, two shadow poles of this archetype, is the Joker and Batman. Yeah. He's kind of a sadist and a masochist in both, uh, or, or in the film. Um, and here, so you see him, like, he loves to cause chaos. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Heath Ledger's Joker, he loves to cause chaos. Right? Like, he you, loves being the thorn in Batman's foot. And he like, really does. And you, like, you know, Alfred's like, some men just like to watch the world burn. Yeah. You know, um, I think it's Alfred that says, it's been a while since I've seen it. I think it's Alfred. Maybe it wasn't. I can't remember. But uh, it, somebody will correct me on that, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, but he's like, some men just like to watch the world burn. And le- legit, he's a sadist. He legit just, legit, that's what, he yeah. loves to, ju- like, the the scene that pops into my mind is whenever he's dressed as the nurse, and he walks out of the hospital, <laughs> yeah. and he's got the, the he's got the remote, and he's sitting there, he's pressing the button, and finally he hits it, and it blows up behind him, and he just takes off running, right? Yep. Like, that's that's the classic sadist. He just he was he loved it. Lives to cause chaos. Lives to cause chaos. That's a sadist. Um, but he's also a masochist too. Yeah. Like whenever Batman's got he's he's he goes to jail right, and uh, Batman's got him and he's questioning him, and and he he's just sitting there across him. He's like, hi, yeah. <laughs> you know. And Batman's just he's punching him and he just thinks it's he's laughing. He loves it. He yeah. loves it. He's a masochist as well. So he's a great depiction of this shadow archetype um shadow of the archetype i should say um you know you could probably make the case that sauron is a uh, shadow warrior um he wants to he's more of a shadow king than he is shadow War, but there's some overlap here but basically he's he's a sadist and what he wants to do is he wants to inflict pain upon people um but he wants to do it so that he can bend all of middle earth to his will Right, so that he's right. yeah, and so, so you can kind of see it there as well. So I don't know if you got any other ones you want to throw in there, but I mean, we could literally dive. The archetype is everywhere. We could literally dive into uh, the Avengers versus Thanos. And yeah, yeah. I mean, all across the board. Yeah, it's it's this is in some of you might be like, I don't know how I feel about, but the reality is, is that all the stories you've ever read and all the movies that right. you see, they're all based off of these archetypes. Like this they're is like a timeless universal yeah, thing. Yeah. Well, and that's what, you know, and that's what Jung was saying. Like I said, I said that we wouldn't, you know, talk about it from this perspective, but here uh, we are. Well, here. But here we are. But you know, that's what Jung was doing. I mean, he's saying it's these archetypal ideals that are just in our collective unconscious. Uh, like whenever I say warrior, you immediately have some picture no. and like that, that's across culture. Yeah. You can go to any culture in the world and they all have their own hero. Like yeah, their, their own warrior, their own ideal of, yeah. of what this looks like, and it's the same thing with the other archetypes too, or the other ideals. Um, so it's it's something that you you can't deny. You know, 
as as somebody who's a Christian Platonist, um, we would you know we would say that these are um, you know these are you know uh, universals or, or forms uh, depends on what language you want to use there, but they exist in the mind of God, and that's the reason why we have them in our minds. It's not necessarily the, I mean, you could make a case it's a collective unconscious, whatever, but, but really what it is is it's, these are forms that, that exist in reality outside of us that transcend us, right? And um, that's the reason why all people who are created in the image of God um, have this ideal just innately in, the, in them. And um, so, yeah, um, that's, yeah, I don't want to get too much into, yeah. into Platonism, but, um, but yeah, that's that's what's going on. Uh, that's the the route that I I prefer to take is is that is that route is it's uh, these things that exist in the mind of God and being people who are created in His image, we all recognize that that there is this uh, universal out there, this ideal that stands above us called the warrior. So, all right, Richie, you got anything else that you want to bring up? In this? Uh, yeah, let's sort of kind of sum it all up. Okay. To what the warrior looks like in shadow, and in light perspective. So yeah. let's start with with improper perspective in light. Yeah. What what are some points that sort of sum up the warrior architect archetype? Y- yeah, yeah. So I would say uh, competence, uh, self discipline, uh, loyalty, strength. Those are all. Uh, I mean, you could you could just sum it up in saying, um, you know, the virtues, right? Um, courage. Right, he's a he's a man who's courageous, or a woman who's courageous, um, who is uh, you know who's wise, who's just, um, you know those things, uh, who's self disciplined. Those are the, the the four cardinal virtues. It's somebody ultimately who who uh, embodies those things, right? Um, and so yeah, so that's what I would say. Uh, looking at the archetype itself, those are the things that you should be seeking to embody. Um, and uh, that's what this in, this ideal entails. Fighting for unselfish reasons, for that's higher right. truth. That's right. Fighting yeah. for a cause outside of yourself. That's <clears throat> big. Like I'm thinking the Christ, I'm thinking the Crusader, right? right yeah. The Christian cru- Crusader, right? Like that's what I'm thinking. Fighting for a cause outside of himself, right? Fighting for God, um, but but is also very competent. Right. right. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So that's what I would say is that's that's the archetype. And for the shadow, um, simply put, that's the sadist or the masochist. Somebody who who loves. I uh, love the crusader reference there. The crusader, I think, is a literally good, they knew that they would go out there and probably die, but they were keeping the pilgrimage routes to Israel and Jerusalem. Yeah, free and clear for people that wanted to go and to worship and to be there. Yeah, they're fighting for this cause outside of themselves. Yep. Um, you know, and they're competent and they're loyal and. All of those things, I, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen that imagery come up among in the manosphere. Um, like you, like one of the big things. Like go, go on, <laughs> go on YouTube right now um, and just type in something like along the lines of Chad Christianity. Oh boy, <laughs> you know, if I'm you, not sure that I want to. Uh, look at if that. you type in Chad Christianity, look, I'll show you here, Richie. You get look. One hour of Chad Orthodox chants to redeem your soul. Redeem listen, your no, 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 soul. listen, listen, listen. It has 1.3 million views. 1.3 million views. Over a million views. You, this, why does that have over? Because men are are hungry um, for for this this in their lives. Right. Yeah. This this sense of transcendence. I am fighting for something outside of myself um and not just that but i mean it's not any doubt i mean the whole culture is wanting to rip the warrior aspect out of men yeah i mean they that's, don't want that's, men to be a warrior that's what i was about to say next um i like softness is not is not uh, a virtue uh, in and of itself not uncoupled from the uh, the hard virtues and so that's why you have 1.3 million people listening to one hour of Chad Orthodox chants to right. redeem your soul. There's other ones on here too. I mean, that's the are, reason why you see guys obsessed with like the Viking culture and like Scottish clan culture. It's that whole warrior aspect, that ancient warrior archetype. That's exactly right. And that's what that's what the um, what the the Crusader was, the Christian knight. He was he took the competency and the strength. 
of the pagan Viking, but yet brought it under the dominion and the lordship of Christ, um, and was also chivalrous towards towards women and, and that kind of thing. And so that's the reason. Like I mean, look, I mean, Knights Templar music, like on YouTube right now, millions of views. Um, there's a reason why this stuff. Uh, you know, there's there's Chad Chance to reclaim Constantinople. <laughs> wow. Millions of yep. views on YouTube. Why? It's because men are looking for this in their lives. Right. They know that John Eldridge in, in Wild at Heart. Um, I don't agree with everything in that book. Some of it's out there, but some of it's really, really good. And I think that he has his finger on the problem. Um, he talks about that men need a battle to fight. They need a, an adventure to live. They need a story to situate themselves in. And a lot of us um, men um, who grew up in the, the, the 80s and the 90s, um, a lot of us grew up in a storyless home. A lot of us either uh, didn't have fathers or our father was there and he was just abusive or, or wasn't present or, or whatever. So a lot of us grew up in tyrants, a, uh, tyrants right? And so a lot of us have kind of grown up nihilistic with no story. There is no meaning. There is no story. And, yeah. And guys, you know, a lot of this is related in some ways to the meaning crisis. Right. You know, there is no meaning, you know, that kind of thing. A lot of it, you know, relates is, is related to this. This is why so many young men get in so much trouble. I mean, they don't have anything to sort of channel that warrior energy into to, to fight for a higher cause. This is right fighting here. just for trouble, just for chaos. Right here. Templars singing in the rain. Salve uh, Re- Regina, 1.9 million views. Salve Regina, a Templar chant, 10 million views. <laughs> hey, look at the pictures. It's knights in armor. Yep. 10 million views, right? Uh, it's the reason why, you know, sea shanties were big here recently. You know, you go on YouTube and type in uh, sea shanties and you see dudes commenting on other guys singing dude, sea shanties. Yeah, especially and on TikTok. You yeah. couldn't get over it. I mean, they're like, this dude is a Chad. I would follow him into battle. <laughs> this, this dude is a Chad. He, I would follow him into battle. Yeah. Like, that's, you know, that's what it is. Like, men are looking for an ideal to model in their life. They're looking for a warrior to lead them. And listen, there's nobody better than the real Jesus, than King Jesus. <laughs> I mean, you even see that in Lord of the Rings. That's why it's even regardless of nation, whether it's Rohan or Gondor, they mm-hmm. all, once they see Aragorn and they see sort of the things he embodies, they all fall in line to yep. follow him into battle. That's right. You know, even uh, you know, even Boromir as he's died, right? Um you know, after, you know, all the things happened, you know, he's, I would have followed, I would have yep. followed you, my brother, my king, you know. I think he saw that right off the bat, and that's yeah. where he had that hostility towards Aragorn to begin yeah. with. Like, Gondor yeah. needs no king. Like, yeah. <laughs> I was watching that part this morning, I was cracking up whenever he's looking at the shards of Narsil, and he's like, he's like, uh, oh, what was he said? He said something, he's like, and then he's like, friend? <laughs> he like, it's just very kind of. I don't know. I can't remember what, what it was, uh, exactly how he said it. But it was just kind of like he recognizes it, who he is, you know, that. But he's just skeptical. You know, I don't yeah. know. It's just really funny. But All right. You got anything else before we do the uncut portion of this episode? Not yes, really. We are going to do an, we an, are un- going to do an uncut yeah. version. So, uh, so let's, before, as, before we sign off, let's go ahead and just kind of give – everybody uh, a picture a snapshot of what we're going to do on the uncut version so basically what we're going to do is we're going to talk about ways we've sought to apply this in our own lives lots of practical applications yeah we're going to kind of get into the practical application um and so if you guys are interested in that and want to hear more about that you need to go and sign up on patreon you can become a patron for just five dollars a month you can get the sword and staff uncut or you get episodes released not only earlier We've released episodes earlier on there. We always release them on Patreon first, then release them everywhere else. But you also get the uncut versions of these episodes that we don't release anywhere else, right? And so on today's uncut version, Richie and I are going to get into some practical application. Talk about how we've sought to to uh, model this ideal of the warrior in our own lives. 
um, things that we've maybe struggled with, things that were maybe came easy, whatever. We'll see where the conversation goes. But if you want to hear more about that, you need to become a patron. Get the Sword and Staff for just a, uh, Sword and Staff Uncut for just five dollars a month. We also have other tiers on there as well. Um, we're probably going to start up probably this month or next month um, calls with our patrons, uh, yep. Zoom calls. Um, that w- we offer that. Like if you sign up for one of the higher tiers, you get a one time a month Zoom call with me and Richie to talk about whatever you want <laughs> talk about the you can talk about the episode you can talk about something that stood out to you you can ask questions whatever but that's a patreon exclusive kind of like are. a group kind of tavern meeting that's kinda, right yeah. that's exactly right and so um so that's where we're at um if you guys are patrons and you've signed up for the higher tiers we'll be uh putting that info out there when a uh, date once a month when we'll be doing that we'll put links out there so you can join in on the calls um so yeah good stuff going on you become a part of the community we also have a group on facebook where you can join in on some of the conversation here right you want to tell people about that yeah it's uh the we have a a group on facebook the order of the sword and staff and there we sort of take the on. order of the sword and staff the order of the, the sword it's and staff. like 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 the knights yeah that's our <laughs> knights right there right right it's, yeah that's sort of where we take our conversations that we have on the episodes and sort of flush them out in more detail yeah there a lot of conversation happens there yep. a lot of interesting stuff so we've got a, a growing community there and uh, if you guys want to be a part of it uh just head on over to patreon www.patreon.com backslash sword and staff order and find the order of the sword and staff group on facebook and before you before you do it let yeah, me just go ahead and te- let me just go ahead and tell you there are vetting questions on that group please answer these questions so josh can let you into the group. I will not let you into the group he if you don't ask. He is strict on that. I'm very strict on it. They're there for a reason, right? And the, basically the reason is this. We we want our community. Listen, I've, I've been a part of we a lot. We literally of, have at any given time requests that are just left in limbo because Josh like, well, they didn't answer all the questions. Yeah, I tell people this all the time. I stress it all the time. If you invite your friends to join the group, tell them to answer all the questions. Answer the questions. Uh, listen, we we vet really heavy because we deal with topics that are fringe. Right, yeah. Right? And that can lead to a lot of weird folks showing up. And, and it has. And, and it has. Um, trying to start odd conversations that we don't, uh, we don't want to be engaged in. Um, that and, you know, and we don't want trolls. Uh, we don't want trolls coming in. Um, because we're warriors and because we're warriors. <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, but anyway, uh, we don't want, I've, I've been a part of other communities before listening to podcasts. Where it's like the, a fortress stronghold of Chad warriors. that's going to come out and come in there like that. <laughs> right. Sword staff, Chad warriors. Yeah. But it, but it's not that's called sword. Legion. It's not called sword staff for nothing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> There's a legion of Chad there's warriors. A, there's in a there. legion of Chad warriors who are based, who are going yeah, <laughs> to like the 300 version of sword and staff. Right. But, uh, so, but I've been a part of groups before where like they let everybody in just to let everybody in to increase their numbers. And they've got like three, 4,000 people in a, a group for a podcast and it just becomes a huge dumpster fire. Right. Like, like it, there's always people flaming, trolling, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the mods are always having to, to moderate it. And, like here's the reality. Like we just don't have that kind of time. Yeah, we can't we can't live in that yeah. group. But it's, what's good about our group is that a lot of the members sort of manage it themselves. Yeah, I mean, it's a group really full of chads. Yeah. It's a group full of chads, <laughs> and so they don't put up with any crap. Um, no, I'm just playing, but kind of. Um, like, but I'm just kind of playing, but that's kind, really kind how it is. Yeah, but anyway. Um, but yeah, so that's the reason why we vet so hard is because we just don't want it to turn into a flaming dumpster fire, right? Um, like a lot of groups do. We would rather have a smaller community that's tight knit than have a bigger community that's just uh, wild. Yeah. So, anyway, so answer the questions if answer you the questions. answer the questions. Please answer the please answer the questions, or I will leave you in Facebook purgatory until you do. <laughs> until you do. <laughs> so, all right. Well. Richie, if you don't have anything else, then I guess we'll go ahead and sign off and do the uncut. You got anything else? Nope. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you all next time. See you next time. See you.